name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We call this uh, Deacon Appreciation Sunday. <laughs> we hardly ever not have a deacon, and so it's like, you have to really pay attention. So thanks be to God for Deacon Scott and Deacon Gary for their faithful service to the church. Um, who desires the salvation of every person and the restoration of all creation to its pristine beauty more than God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Who desires the salvation of every person and the restoration of creation more than the Father, Son, and the Spirit? That's their work. It's what they do. For the Father, by the Spirit, sent his only begotten Son to save us and creation. He ascended the cross, transforming it to be life-giving, that we could glorify in that, we could glory in that cross, and through it the world was crucified to us and we to the world. We'll go through four verses and a couple of comment, comment some commentary from St. John Chrysostom on each of these verses, and then... Um, Expand on them a bit. First, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, who believes in him, should not perish, <clears throat> but have everlasting life. In one's wildest imagination, we could not create a God that loves us and that his love sacrifices himself for us. This is the epic story. God became man for our salvation humbled himself, lowered himself. He's the superhero of all superheroes. Nobody touches him. He died for us. He feeds us with his body and blood. The menace of immortality he makes a pathway for us to heaven. Let me read from St. John. He shows his great mercy and his strength and love for us he, the immortal, who is without beginning, the infinite majesty, they but dust and ashes, we, full of 10,000 sins, who, ungrateful, have at all times offended him, and these he loved. And these he loved. Before, even before our repentance, these he loved. He gave his only begotten Son, not as a, not a servant, not an angel, not, a, not an archangel. And yet no one would show such anxiety for his own child as God did for his ungrateful servants. He who gives life and calls the cross the fountain of life, which reason cannot easily allow, as the heathen now by their mocking testify, by faith, which goes beyond the weakness of reasoning, may easily receive and retain it. The power of the cross, the fountain of life. God did not and does not turn his back on us when we sin. His sacrifice has forever opened the door for us to walk through it with humility and repentance. I think this is such an important piece for us to understand that wherever we wander to in our thoughts, words, and deeds, God never forsakes us. 
We may turn our back on him, but he never turns his back on us. He waits with the heart of a father for us to come back to him, to turn back to him. And then he pours out upon us grace and mercy, immeasurable, caresses us, brings us into his family, into his home, into his church. So may we never, never, beloved, forsake this opportunity of always turning back to God. So the next verse, he, the Son of God, came down from heaven, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. This story in the Old Testament is an interesting one because the nation of Israel had sinned, and God, in his chastisement, sent snakes, and the snakes would bite the Israelites and they would die. And they saw that as a chastisement because of their sin, and they begged God to forgive them. And God told Moses, go make a serpent out of brass and hold it high. When the people look at the serpent, they will, the poison will not affect them. So listen to St. John. Now if the Jews, by looking at the brazen image of a serpent, escape death, much rather will those who believe in the crucified with good reason enjoy a far greater benefit. Do you see the crucifixion and the salvation which comes from it? Do you see the relationship of the type to the reality? There the Jews escaped death, but only it was temporary. Here believers escape eternal death. There the hanging serpent healed the bites of serpents. Here the crucified Jesus cured the wounds inflicted by the spiritual dragon, the devil and his demons. Cures the wounds of the spiritual dragon. There he who looked with bodily eyes was healed. Here he beholds the eyes of his understanding, puts off all sins. When we keep our eyes on Christ, it helps us stay away from sinful thoughts, words, and deeds. Eyes on Christ. There that which hung was brass fashioned in the likeness of a serpent. Here it's the Lord's body, built by the Spirit. There a serpent bit and a serpent healed. Here death destroyed and the death of our Savior saved us. For as some noble champion by lifting on high and dashing down his antagonist, renders his victory more glorious, so Christ, in the sight of all the world, cast down the adverse powers and delivered them from all venomous beasts that vexed them by being hung on a cross. This reality, beloved, must never, ever be forgotten. Christ's cross is present always with us, it's the fountain of life, destruction of demons, the defeat of death, protection from sins, power over temptation, sign of victory, and the exclamation of love. That cross. We have access to it, beloved. We make that sign. 
It's not just a symbol when we make it. It's the power of the cross of Christ. Use it. You know, the story of St. Theodora, who's in the, she's raising a child, not hers, in the wilderness and tempted time and time again. And the testimony of, uh, of the church is that she signed herself with a cross and defeated all these enemies. Every time she was tempted, anytime you're tempted, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And you don't need to do that just one time. You can keep doing it, and that power will expand. You will defeat the enemies with this sign. It cannot stand up to it. It defeats the enemy. Uh, another great story of the sign of the cross, but I don't, uh, I don't recommend you do this, but uh, <laughs> St. Gerasimus is walking <laughs> through the on his way back to the monastery, and he comes upon a lion with a, with a, uh, 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 something in his paw, what's his paw? A splinter in his paw. And uh, he crosses himself and takes the splinter out of the lion's paw. And guess what? You have something to say, Levi? <laughs> He's signing the cross. That's a good boy. I love you, Levi. Um, so he takes the paw. He signs himself, takes the splinter out of the paw of the lion, and the lion goes back with him to the monastery. I would be like, let's go visit the abbot of the monastery. And next to him is a lion. You don't mess with St. Gerasimus. But... Um, and the story is, is that he dies, and a week later the lion passes. He loves St. Gerasimus, the sign of the cross. Beloved, it's a great example of that power and the importance for us to understand how much we should use that power and not take it for granted, not see it simply as a symbol, but the very real power of Christ's cross. Um, okay. Next verse. God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the words of St. Paul. Here's what St. John says about this verse. Truly this symbol is thought despicable, but it is so in the world's reckoning among men. In heaven and among the faithful, it's the highest glory. The cross of Christ. It's the highest glory. Poverty, too, is despicable, but it's our boast. And to be cheaply thought of by the public is a matter of laughter to them, but we're elated by it. <laughs> so, too, the cross is our boast. And what is the boast of the cross? That Christ, for my sake, took on him the form of a slave and bore his sufferings for me, the slave, the enemy, the unfeeling one. Even so love me as to give himself up to a curse for me. What can be comparable to this? Let us then be not ashamed of this unspeakable tenderness. God is so loving to us, beloved. 
let us not be ashamed of this, un this unspeakable tenderness. He is not ashamed of being crucified for our sake, so we should not be ashamed of his continually uh, elevating his love and care for us. This exclaims to us God's love for us. The cross, the cross shouts to us, a king becomes a slave. The royal one becomes a servant. The immortal takes on immortality. The life of all dies for all. Should we not always bow ourselves to this reality? Should we not always be grateful for that cross? Should we not become its slaves? Should we not become his slaves? No, his servants better, his children. Should we not be, because of this great sacrifice of our Lord, more loving, more faithful, more courageous, more forgiving, more unendingly devoted? <clears throat> Last verse. By whom the world was crucified to me and I to the world. Here's St. John again. What he here calls the world is not heaven nor earth, but the affairs of life, the praise of men, our colleagues, glory, wealth, and all things as such show splendor. To me these things are dead. Nor was he content with a former putting to death, but added another saying, an eye to the world. In this implying a double putting to death and saying, they are dead to me and I to them. Neither can they captivate me nor overcome me. Nothing can be more blessed than this putting to death. And for it is the foundation of the blessed life. So the first death is that the world is crucified to me. And we see this when Christ is on the cross, the king of glory, the, creation of the, the creator and sustainer of the universe. He comes to save mankind. And how does the world treat him? They crucify him. They crucify him. So, yes, the world is crucified to us. So we see this. It, it's proved itself unreliable. It proved it right there. God came to save it, and the world took his life. The world, beloved, as you know, and you think about it deeply, the world is not reliable. That's not where we put our hope. Yes, we need to be responsible for things. That's important to us. But in terms of where we put our hope, it's not in this world. It's in Christ and his kingdom. That's where our hope lies. And then it says, an eye to the world. I die, I'm dead to the world and the world to me. It's, it's internalizing this reality of the world being unreliable. We're, we internalize it and realize that that's not where I can put my hope. I can't put it there. I can't put it there externally, and I can't put it there internally. I have to have Christ as the center of everything for me. Christ and his kingdom, the center of everything for me. If that's not there, our hope kind of bleeds into the world and we become, as many of us know, very disappointed. And guess what will happen over and over again? You'll become very disappointed. 
There's not hope out there. That's not where our hope is. We're crucified to that world. So it's very important, I think, for us to understand that <clears throat> living that way with Christ as the centerpiece of our life and not putting our hope in the world <clears throat> is a key to a peaceful and joyful Christian life. That's where it is. And you know this. When your hope gets out there and gets dashed, you feel crushed. You feel crushed. You know, there's a story. Uh, a young monk asked his spiritual father, how do you respond to things like that? He says, well, let me tell you what to do. He says, I want you to go to the gravesite of this monk. And he's at his, at his tomb, I want you to say many, many great things about him. And you come back and tell me what happened. He says, well, how did he respond? He says, well, he didn't say anything. He says, now I want you to go back and I want you to curse him. But you think everything that was bad about him, I want you to say everything that was bad about him and tell me how he responded. He said nothing. He was dead. Dead to the world. Dead to praise. Dead to criticism. That the, the church called that dispassion. It's a beautiful and very difficult uh, virtue to hold on to, dispassion. Not to be charged up by excessive praise, not to be bowed down by uh, excessive uh, disappointments. We stay in the middle. Again, Christ, the crucified one, is our centerpiece. So in conclusion, dear Lord, we thank you for the salvation that you come for each of us sending your only begotten Son to save us, ascending the cross, transforming it to life-giving, that it may be our glory, and through it the world was crucified to us and we to this world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.